It's Saturday, September 30th, and welcome to the first ever Saturday bonus edition of Market Foolery. And it's appropriate that it's on Saturday, 30th, because this is International Podcast Day. If you are a brand new listener, this is uh, not what we usually do. If you're a longtime listener, uh, you already know this is not what we usually do, because usually we talk about business news on Market Foolery, and we're not doing that, that on this episode. Uh, I'm joined in studio, as promised, by Bill Barker from Motley Fool Asset Management. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. And uh, as we indicated earlier this week, someone who has never been on Market Foolery before, our longtime colleague, Roger Friedman. Hello. Welcome. Why have you never been on before? No interest. <laughs> have you been invited? Um, no interest is mutual. Yeah. Ah. Never had him on. Uh, Roger's background is in journalism. He has worn many hats here at The Motley Fool, including, at one point, managing editor of our investment newsletter services. He uh, started our blog network. I, I, mean, I, I don't think that people knowing more about me is going to make me less of a disappointment as a guest. Oh, neither do I. I was just being polite. Just killing time? Yep. Just killing time. Got to get through, what, 25 minutes? Um, you know, we'll see. We have no idea how long this episode. <laughs> Many is people have tuned out already. Yeah, yeah, and 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 thank goodness. Although uh, it is my hope that there is at least one person who is brand new to this podcast who listens to this episode and then ends up sorely disappointed next week when they find out that actually what we do on Market Fuller is talk about business news because we're not doing that today. This was suggested by a few. We're of our kind listeners. of doing it. The CEO buddy cops. You want to start there? I don't know. It's your show. <laughs> it's as good a place as any. Seems very agenda driven. Uh, he was the one who threw it out there. So I'm what? just saying there Surprise might be a little me. business coverage. Oh, okay. By you know, by go ahead. Where what have you got? Uh, well, I mean, we, a few months ago, um, you had mentioned uh, buddy cop tropes. Yes, particularly movie buddy cops. And uh, so we thought, well, gosh, what if what if there were CEOs, who, in addition to being CEOs, were cops too, and and who could we cast in those roles? And of course, our dozens of listeners weighed in with some really great answers. Can I just set up how how this ends up? Because it's important that they're still the CEOs of their companies, and how did they how did they get there? And it's easy if you apply Hollywood logic. I see, I see the two guys, and they've they've come out of some. I don't know conference together or something, and and there's a there's a they're already at odds, right? Because they're mismatched, and there's some sort of traffic uh, incident, and and so when they're before the judge for this, uh, in the process of this, uh, the loose gun CEO says, "This is ridiculous. You, you th- these cops are ridiculous. We we would be better cops than than these guys." And the judge, because this is the power that judges have, occasionally says. Well, that's fine. Now you are cops. Like that's their sentence. Rather than going to jail, they have to be cops. And and are they still the CEOs? Yes. Like, yeah. So, so like during the day, version? it's a night shift. Okay, sure. Absolutely. Obviously. Obviously. Sorry. Why even ask? So uh, they still have to get all their CEO work done, and then go do their their nighttime shift. I like this. Um, this actually reminds me of uh, Chuck Klosterman, who's a, a great writer, who wrote an essay maybe about five years ago, um, sort of delving into Batman and positing for a moment. Let's just. The point of his essay was about what must it be like to live in Gotham, to live in Gotham City, where 
where apparently Batman will save the day, but boy, is there a lot of crime. And he diverted briefly from that to posit, say, for example, that Batman were real. Say, for example, that there was a billionaire business person, and I think he might have chosen Mark Zuckerberg. And there were rumors that at night, Mark Zuckerberg was dressing up and fighting crime. How would, like, think for a moment, how would we feel about that? And I, th- I mean, sticking with Mark Zuckerberg, I see, we're already talking about business. It's not plausible. It's not? Zuckerberg as Batman? Yeah. Who is this guy? Who are you? What? Choose no, somebody I, realistic. No, no, I think this is good because the persona of the CEO is so opposite what you would expect in the tough crime fighter that, oh, mild mannered by day. That's gonna. Th- it's like Clark Kent's glasses. I don't you, know. I mean, it's 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 a red herring. Bruce it Wayne throws you always, right off the track. Always had a little bit of an edge, but it, it, it's so implausible that Zuckerberg just I don't know took a year off and and trained in the Himalayas with the League of Shadows. Is that implausible? I'm not sure that that <laughs> I'm not I'm not sure that that part's implausible. But that at the end of it, that he would come back and be able to take out the Joker strikes me as implausible. That's fair. Just from a physical standpoint, I think it's all. I think the the persona that we know is a front to protect a secret identity. So Zuckerberg, not really that dorky. Didn't really start Facebook. Um, <laughs> hmm. I think there was a move, an actual movie about that. <laughs> um, should we, should we get to uh, a couple of the the winners? Because we went through. We, we went. We actually read. We read all, all of the emails Chris that we sent. Like the elderly gentleman he is, and for the elderly gentleman I am, printed out all of the emails in a packet, stapled them, and uh, put a sticky on them. So, thank you for the, the, the clerical work. But yes, there's a stack of them that... That's the sound effect of the emails being printed. There out. were more e- coming in today. There were more. Even. Yeah. Sorry, we couldn't include them. So, should we talk about the criteria around our selection process? We sh- you can do that in just a second. But first, I just want to say thank you to the people who, who wrote in, um, uh, because uh, there were some really great suggestions. And it also reminded me just how awesome our listeners are, because uh, there are podcasts that I have listened to for years that I enjoy a great deal, and I have never written <laughs> into those podcasts, not once, not even to say, oh, hey, I enjoy your podcast. So I You really- should totally try that. I should try it sometime. Like, I who, should- would, who would you go to? Um, I don't know. I, uh, I because I, they might write back. You write back to these people, and you make you're their very active. You in, make in their Facebook day because they, 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 they don't think you exist. They look up to you. Some of them. They're I mean, not a, they're not all of your listeners, but but a few of them. Sort of, you're very much on a pedestal. No, uh, not at all. But, but to no, Rogers, there, there was a hashtag star, uh, slightly starstruck in Facebook the other day after you responded to a. One of the Facebook posts. Well, to go back to something you had said earlier, there, I have gotten a few responses from people when I've responded to them, and and their response has been, "Oh my God, I really didn't. I I'm so sorry." It, one I, of them was, "I'm so, so I'm I'm so <laughs> sorry. I didn't think you were actually going to write back. I I'm, didn't think you were the one who was actually going to read this criticism." I'm it's telling like, you, listeners, anybody who writes into Chris in response to this podcast will get a response. <laughs> a thoughtful, detailed thank you, at, probably. At, probably at least as long as the email itself. He'll share intimate details of really whatever None you'd like to true. know about. Roger? He'll why, respond. Why don't you get you, to the criteria? Um, 
I didn't know that was my job here, but... You were offering that up. Well, no, I was actually offering you up to offer that up. <laughs> um, in general, uh, I, there were up to four roles, I think, that we, we laid out. Uh, the loose cannon, uh, the older partner who's just about to retire, who's too old for this stuff. Thank you. Um, there's the... the, uh, the Beleaguered, the, the beleaguered chief uh, spends a lot of time pounding the table, saying, "That's all I can take out of you guys. One more, and and you've seen the. Don't movies. you get the mayor just called me and chewed me out? Right, and the mayor. One more time, and it's going to be your gun and badge on my table, on my on table. my desk. So, um, uh, do, do you want to? I think we should just go around the table. We should each pick um, one of the winners. Uh, so wait, wait a second. We've we've agreed to you the winners. You guys so, agreed on this already. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I didn't take so, notes on who the winners were. That's well. really on you. <laughs> um, so I have this packet. I can just choose one by random. No, no, I? no. We've already picked them. So I want to to shout out to to Alton Gunn, who should have his own theme music. Uh, great name. The amount of effort he put into the screenplay. It's it's a uh, it's a masterwork. Yeah. I, um, I, the, Alton Gunn actually wrote a script. He wrote a script, <laughs> and there are a couple scenes involved. The protagonists of our buddy movie, uh, we have Walt Disney and um, Warren Buffett as our, our uh, mismatched tandem. We have Mismatched because one of them is dead. They didn't really play, Alton didn't play that up as much as I'd like, and, and we've had lengthy discussions about it's extra awkward when one of the partners is dead. Yeah. Um, R.I.P.D. Was, was, I think, the only movie that's really delved into that, but I think we have an opportunity there. Look, one of them could be a ghost. One of them could be a zombie. Sure. And, and it's particularly mismatched when one of them is a zombie because he's always trying to feast on human flesh, right? And they're right there. You're a loose cannon, zombie cop. Dramatic tension. Right. You know, where your partner keeps it. trying to eat and, your and brains. Yeah, right. right? You're, well, not yours because you're a ghost. Right, if one's a ghost. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's not only are they solving crime, but ghost cop is trying to prevent zombie cop from killing people. Right. Right. So, yeah, a lot to, to unlayer there. Um, Steve Ballmer as police captain, a lot of slamming, a lot of cursing, great stuff. But and anyone who observed Steve Ballmer's tenure as CEO of Microsoft uh, knows that that's a role he's tailor-made for. I think he's been playing it, much like Mark Zuckerberg playing the, you know, weenie CEO to throw us off the trail. Yeah. Except opposite, I would guess. I think that's right. Sure. Uh, we don't need to go too far into it, but the working title is Death and Taxes. There, uh, the, the plot, not sure exactly where we're going with it. The tax man and a lot of, uh, a lot of back and forth. It, it was really more... Uh, character-driven than plot-driven, uh, and a lot of uh, quotes that actually our CEO is used in real life. Some of them not. I don't. A lot of effort by Alton Gunn. Overall, fantastic effort, Alton. Do we think Alton Gunn is really named Alton Gunn, or do we think that's a, 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 stu- a pseudonym? Pseudonym. Yeah. It's a it's a great pseudonym. If you're, not, I mean, if you're in the airport and you're like, oh, I need a I need a mystery uh, book to read on the plane, and you you go to one of those uh, little book like, yep. oh, it's an Alton Gun mystery. Boom. If I'm I in. if I could just interrupt, I so I just emailed you uh, oh. an example of what the listeners will have to send. It just said, hey Chris, great show. Thanks for all the hard work. Just looking forward to a response from you, a loyal listener. And and that's all you have to write in something like that. And Chris will give you, I don't know some sort of acknowledgement of your 
existence. Absolutely. And he would anyway without the pressure (laughs) because he's a giver. And has um, a lot of free time. A lot, so much free time. Um, uh, another. So uh, as as Bill is wont to do uh, when this idea of the buddy cop uh, and soliciting emails uh, first arose, uh, Bill quickly volunteered uh, prizes. So and in this case, we we have brand new Motley Fool asset management T-shirts. Uh, so Alton Gunn will be receiving one of those. Also, Andrew Hopp will be receiving one. Uh, Andrew uh, sent. These are very lightly worn. No, they're t-shirts. not lightly worn. These are no. We're giving them new T-shirts. Oh, nobody mentioned that. Oh my God, how cheap are you people <laughs> down there? They're actually not. They're, they're not Motley Fool shirts. They're old Bill Barker shirts. They have nothing to do with the Motley Fool. Those those aren't but, lightly worn. Uh, Andrew uh, suggested a Travis Kalanick as the belligerent former detective uh, that has been put back on the force after spending some time on leave. One too many bad decisions uh, in his past. His partner, uh, Cinder Pichai, uh, the by-the-book straight shooter who has no time for nonsense. Uh, the chief of police, Warren Buffett, after years of service on the force, the chief has seen it all. He's not afraid of calling out bad moves and giving cops a piece of his mind. Um, and he compared it to, uh, he said, I would watch this Bosch-style series, Shameless Amazon Video Plug. I've not watched Bosch, but I've heard uh, and, and read some very good reviews of it. Um, but Andrew's right. That is totally a shameless plug for Amazon Video, because as it turns out, Andrew works for Amazon. But you know. Ka- Kalanick was, uh, was mentioned in quite a few of these. Travis Kalanick got name-checked a lot. So did uh, John Ledger uh, from, from T-Mobile. Buffett, of course, was... was in many roles. Yeah. And then um, uh, third, we have uh, uh, Jason Lyon, um, who, Commissioner Warren Buffett, uh, the captain, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank. I don't, yeah, want, I don't I, watch Shark Tank. Is that, I know it's a popular show. Is, 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 he, he, is he a CEO? Or are we, giving, are we giving, I mean, this was a really good email. We're giving Jason a pass on, I, I on Kevin O'Leary. I think he is a CEO, though, not of a public company. Okay. That's fair. We'll leave it at that and, and, Ignore the fact that there are laptops all around that we can actually check that. Exactly. Um, uh, the the straight detective, Elon Musk, soft-spoken, intelligent, and probably the most well-respected detective on the force. And as you've indicated before, Bill, possibly a robot. He could play, yeah. If you want to go with robot as one of the mismatched cops and the other guy you know, is both human and a loose gun, but the, the robot or Vulcan or, or whatever... Um, I think would be played well by by Elon Musk, who who for all we know, maybe. I think that's right. I mean, who else is on the short list of of business leaders who we who are secretly robots or aliens? Well, those well, are two the, di- yeah those, different. Those are two different. That's a things. different show. <laughs> those are the, I'm saying he's got the the range to do either. I think no, no, that's no? wrong. I, I could see robot or android, but when you open it up into alien, that's that's completely. That makes sort of a Vulcan. I, I'm, I'm not talking like uh, one of your weird aliens. I'm talking about your emotionless, sort of logical Vulcan esque I, I aliens. I think calling them weird aliens is probably. Uh, I think that's pejorative. Oh, was that like Dark went Dark. out in the 70s? Yeah, we should weird probably uh, cut I'm this sorry, part out. Yeah, I'm sure we're going to get some sure letters. We'll do a lot of editing on this show. Um, uh, Jason also filled out the force with other detectives. Uh, the off-center detective, John Ledger. Uh, he doesn't take anything seriously. Uh, the bad lieutenant, John Stumpf, uh, formerly of Wells Fargo. 
and uh, and then missing cop Travis Kalanick. That was an interesting uh, component that, that Jason put in there. What was that? The missing cop. Yeah, the missing cop, Travis Kalanick, an officer. There's a lot of depth to that one. With a questionable reputation um, and working title of the movie, Uber Troopers. Pretty strong, I, I think, as working titles go. Pretty strong. So thank you to to the listeners for for weighing in, and uh, we will be we will be sending out some T-shirts, and and no, not not the lightly worn. No, we're get, we're going brand new. For all the times that you've come, you got, on, you got the budget for that. No, in no, the podcast no. Division? You've got the budget for that. For all the times that you've come <laughs> come into this studio and been like, oh, you'll just give away stuff. No, you, now time for you to make good on this. Um, so that's you know in terms of in terms of agenda items. I mean that's you know. That that was number one on the You've list. Pretty much cleared the deck now. I think so. Yeah. Now it's time to get to the serious drinking. Um, sure, we could do that. Today's show brought to you by Teeling Whiskey. I don't really know right, anymore. Well, it's from Dublin. What's number Quite two good. on your list of things to cover? Um, well, uh, you, there was the uh, Tiger versus Shark, of course. Tiger versus Shark. We've almost completely covered it. I suppose. Um, it's a tiger, not with Roger in the room. But tiger versus shark in zero gravity. As we as we went over, um, speaking of Elon Musk, pretty easy. He's got SpaceX. You know, uh, put the tiger and the shark in it. Uh, send them on up to the space station. Uh, as we've covered before, they've got a boxing ring. Or some did you guys sort. ever hear from NASA? One of our listeners tweeted at NASA, and NASA has not. Um, has not commented on the presence of a boxing ring on the International Space Station. I take that to mean, yeah, it's there. Well, neither confirm nor deny. But I I think the point is, look, as taxpayers, this was our understanding of what our tax dollars were going to be used for. Right, roads, um, space stations. and, And that there would be some sort of video coverage of animal fights in a boxing ring on the space station. because Boxing? Because what is... You know, like uh, sort of boxing, cage match. Yeah. Okay, that, I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, because after all, the the whole the entire purpose of the space station is um, scientific exploration and discovery, right? Yeah. And this, I, for a long time, man has tripped over how to solve Tiger v. Shark. Uh, going back I don't know, since the dawn of history, really, this is this has befuddled man, and now we have a way to solve it. Are there jetpacks involved? Why would you need that? Makes no sense. How are they propelling themselves? Just keep it realistic. How if if you put them in this cage? Yeah, there are walls. They're going to bounce off the walls at each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's where that being the case. No, no, I I want to know what Roger thinks. That being the case, who are you taking? Tiger versus shark. I mean, shark's got a thick skin, but it's one directional. Right, but I think that direction is pretty strong, pretty fast. It's coming in. You get the first bite. A lot of teeth in there. I think it, I think the first bite wins. Tiger, Tiger's got some teeth, but I, so I think what, also like, first how many? Uh, I, probably a third of the shark's teeth. Uh, here's what the the tiger has, and a lot of people underrate this, but it's got a bigger brain than than the shark. Well, that's where the jetpack. And I, so I think the, to start out, they're both a little confused by the zero gravity, although it's a little bit more like a shark's uh, natural uh, state than, than a tiger. But the tiger's got a bigger brain, so he probably figures out uh, how to deal with the zero gravity better than the shark. Uh, and, and so I see that being a, a significant advantage. Also, <laughs> also, 
he's got the claws, you know. So if he just knows how to stay a little bit away, like they're both just floating there, and then the the shark is waving its tail, its dorsal or whatever we we call that, and and it's just not going anywhere, and the tire is like just it's like taking jabs, right? You don't have to get in that close when you got those claws. I see the uh, the shark weathering the storm. Didn't one of our listeners uh, posit uh, a fight between an elk and a bear? Like talking about the kicking ability of an elk, and uh, I get that. But if we're t- mm-hmm. uh, that only works if it's a field goal kicking contest. Like a bear, I'm sorry, a bear is just taking. Unless we're talking about Winnie the Pooh, a bear is just taking an elk to town. Why, and why would we be talking about Winnie the Pooh? I mean. That- that doesn't make sense. I, I think if you're, where, if you're animal fights, you're going stuffed animal. Where the listener is going with this is if the bear sees the elk's antlers and figures, oh, maybe I'll just take a, a you know the attack from behind rather than from in front because who wants to tangle with those antlers? Elk's got that kicking power. Yeah, I, I, no, I bear. Your, your money is still on bear. I, I, I mean, would say I like the bear. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred. The bear trips, the elk gets them. That's the one time. Otherwise, it's bear. Yeah, I yeah. think that's right. Um, musician that we want to see live to his or her 80s? You want to go there? Uh, Roger knows more about this than I do. I'm Roger sure actually he... knows a great deal about music. Something I was surprised at was your guy's ignorance of the 27 Club. I, I didn't know anything about the 27 Club. We, we, so, quick note. There was actual preparation that goes into the show, which surprised me when I learned that. But we had a pre-meeting. In all seriousness, more prep went into this nonsense bonus episode than goes into the average I episode feel much, of Market As Fully. a listener, I don't really listen. What I'm but as a listener, I would feel much better about that. Uh, what I'm surprised by is your surprise at our ignorance about any topic. It's a thing, though. What The 27 Club well, is... Well, why don't you go, go into what the thing so, is? So, uh, there's a, a series of... Famous artists, musical artists, who have uh, unfortunately passed away at the age of 27, includes uh, Jimi Hendrix, includes Jim Morrison, Amy Winehouse, Janis Joplin, Janis Joplin, and uh, Brian, Brian Jones. Jones of Rolling Stones. So we we started talking about that. Kurt and, Cobain, and, more oh, recently. Sure, sure. Uh, well, Amy was and more Amy recent even then. more recently right. than that. But I I. Uh, assumed that that was something that everyone knew about and not not giving myself any praise here as look how smart i am but really guys yeah i didn't know about that huh anyway so we could look at just the 27 club hey can we ask dan are we allowed to ask dan if you knew of about course we're sure club? thing dan, did, you, did you know about the 27 club dan i did indeed yes okay in my defense and in bill's defense but mostly in my defense uh, dan's a musician so he knows mm. a, a lot more about music than i do also, he's younger and smarter. But anyway. Um, and better looking. Much better looking. Um, I mean, we could keep it to the 27 Club if you want. No, that seems limiting. Okay. Unnecessarily. Yeah, if, if the original question was, and artists who died young, who would you like to see, and what would they have produced, I guess? What would they have contributed? And this is the, the Washington Post article of, of uh, the 40th anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. Yes, that is the sound effect of Roger opening up the Teeling Whiskey. Um, the, the 40th anniversary of Elvis Presley's death and, and saying, among other things, boy, did Elvis Presley die at the wrong time career-wise, because he was 42, and it was the, the lowest point of his career. And if he had lived another 30, 40 years or so, he may have had the type of career, you know, given 
the quality of his voice. He might have had a Tony Bennett-like career. I, I think there's I, a flaw in the argument okay. of the article. Elvis isn't dead. At, well, at the very least, there's what no. Elvis would have been able to do, assuming that not only he, he were alive, but that he was presenting himself as alive. I, mean, okay. I think that's part of where you have to consider, is he'd be able to charge like, 125, 150, a, a ticket for the back row, you know, at a stadium, and oh, he's, he's a resident at Las Vegas. Yeah, there. So, I mean, what would he be able to charge? Because I, so I was looking the other day. Um, there was there's an airing. There's John Cleese uh, is on tour, showing Holy uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and then he comes out and does like a Q and A, like a Q and A. Thing and it's like seventy five bucks to go and watch Holy Grail and get, I don't know. Do you get half an hour of John Cleese riffing on like stories from behind the scenes? Or I, like, I'm in. I'm Carrie, totally in. Yeah. Seventy five bucks. I would do that. In yeah. A I, well, I, I'm I, saying if I, he I can get seventy five for that, like what could Elvis get? And and by the way, he's coming to Washington uh, soon in in October. I think. Is he going to be over at the harbor? Where's he? In uh, I, I need I think details. Lincoln, on Lincoln Theater, maybe. Let okay. Me, let me check out while okay. while you're answering the question. What was the question? <laughs> Which uh, artist? The question did... was: Would you go? Would you pay seventy five dollars to see John Cleese? to see Elvis? Yes. Yeah. Oh, what? So, what artist would you re- like to see? Who Who do you think? What? Because I'll I'll just throw this out there before I give my answer. Um, I think uh, Jim Morrison, eighty year old Jim Morrison. I don't think ages well in terms I, I of think, music. I think the Doors. Would sound the same as they did. I, nothing against Jim Morrison. I'm sure he was a lovely man. I, I didn't see the movie. I, it was very good, actually. Okay. Lovely is not the word usually yeah, yeah, lovely, lovely. Right? used yeah. to describe Jim Morrison. Right. Congratulations. Anyway, You're I, the first person to refer to Jim Morrison as lovely. The doors bored me. Okay. So seeing how they progressed would be even more boring to me. Okay. So who are you picking? Not Jim Morrison. Um, I wonder if Kurt Cobain would have gone in a completely different direction and reinvented, rediscovered, or, or broken new ground. Um, he was fairly groundbreaking the first time through. He didn't seem to be real uh, patient in terms of sticking with who he was or not disappointing the crowds by trying something different. So, And he'd I, be in his 50s right now if he were still alive. Sure. Yeah. I was just trying to show off that I know how to do basic edition. That's great. I, it would. I'm just going to take your word on it because I don't have a computer in front of me. So, so 80, can't 80, check your math. Eighty-four dollars for John Cleese. Oh no, that's crazy. Seventy-five talk. was one thing. Eighty-four is another. That's outrageous. That's like back row, and it's November 9th, which, as you know, is full of Palooza. Oh, it's full of Palooza. Yeah, no. So we... you'll already be like lubricated. I wonder <laughs> if we can get him to come here. For Palooza. Oh, I'm sure we can. <laughs> I'm sure we can. No problem. Let's get our. Hi, we're this company you've never heard of. Would you come speak at our annual meeting? Let's oh, get yeah. our connector on that. I, I exactly. think that's our keynote speaker. Um, I would go with uh, Jimi Hendrix. I think Jimi Hendrix in his 80s would achieve, if not the stature that someone like Jimmy Page has right now in terms of his guitar skills, um, even higher than that. I think, I think Hendrix. Hendrix, it, it would be would fun been, to see him as an elder statesman. Yes, in the same well, way he that, would he would have peaked as a as a guitarist many years ago. I don't think you're uh, you're thinking that he would have gotten 
I think he would have moved much down to better by the time he was in his eighties. Not much better, but I think it would have been in the same way that, um, you know, in his later years, BB King was fantastic to watch, and Buddy Guy. You know, Buddy Guy would probably, to you know, to your point, would probably admit, "Oh yeah, I was a better guitar player 20 years ago than I am today." He's still so damn good that uh, that you would you would pay 84 dollars to go see Jimi Hendrix. Hendrix is also a big fan and friend of Buddy Guy. Really? Yeah. There you go. I think Dan just eloquently backed me up on that. So I, I would go for the obvious one, which is John Lennon, uh, because because why not? You know, I think the upside, uh, and and I say that as somebody who did not particularly think that Lennon's um, solo work, I, it's never bought an album. Uh, I don't really care so much about what he would have achieved as a solo artist uh, as much as the possibility. However unlikely it may be that he would have gotten back with Paul McCartney and done done something there, uh, and I think that that's uh, is that, is that one of the choices? Can we do that? Sure, of course, we're, we're allowed to have anybody. You right? can have anybody. Well, I win. I, I don't. I, don't I won. You, I don't know that you win. Yeah, the listeners. Have will you, tell you seen? Um, well, uh, no, 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 no. Because then you could jump in and say, you know, I, I, I firmly believe that Amy Winehouse would have gone into science and discovered a cure for cancer. <laughs> Okay, Roger. You can't wins. say that. I just did. <laughs> um, uh, if you have Shakespeare, not... might have had a couple more good plays in him. You want... Do we get to do any artist? You want, any you artist? want like five hundred year old William Shakespeare? Can I have F. Scott F. Scott Fitzgerald? Do we? How how far can we take this? Knock yourself out. With F. <laughs> I, I don't Fitzgerald. think he recorded any music. Yeah, yeah. His solo work was just yeah. Uh, but maybe he'll get together with the Beatles. Of, their areas of artistry. If F. Scott Fitzgerald got together with Paul McCartney, that's, so in, that's all right, poetry. So it, along those lines. Which lines? Uh, the lines of what you just proposed. Uh, of Amy two Winehouse's. people that you do not think would get together for something. In researching, which, as you point out, we did for this, buddy cop um, movies and TV shows. Uh, one that was on briefly uh, had um, Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle. That was the premise. And they solved crimes. Wait a minute. This was an, an actual movie? An actual TV show, which had one season, which ran, I believe, on Fox. When was this? I, I would have guessed It was like, uh, like last year. Wow. Houdini yeah. and Arthur Conan Doyle. Yes. Who, as you know, and I say that uh, sarcastically, were in real life friends. Did not know that. That's why I say. <laughs> so, uh, Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle as uh, crime-solving... Uh, which one was a loose cannon? And which one was on the verge of retirement? Okay, so one of them, um, Arthur Conan Doyle, like believed in the supernatural, and Houdini was your logical, like, he was playing... Musk. Uh, you know, this was more of like an X-Files thing, I think. There was uh, the dramatic tension. Uh, you know, you got the one scientific guy which turned out to be Houdini and Arthur Conan Doyle being more of the supernatural. Do we have a name on that show? Um, uh, why are you looking at me? <laughs> because you were typing. No, I was, I I was were... looking up. You just reminded me of a, um, uh, a, a bonus feature on the Lego Movie DVD, which is in my house. And it was they did a, a buddy cop. They did a trailer for a buddy cop movie. And it was Michelangelo and Abraham Lincoln, History Cops. And it's pretty damn strong. You can just you can just look it up on YouTube. But Houdini and Doyle 
was the name of this show. Creative. It's almost hard to believe that wasn't a hit. Was anyone I've ever heard of in that show? Uh, there was, well, Stephen Mangan, of nope. course, one nope. of the many, many Isn't stars. Isn't he a Treasury Secretary? Along with Michael Weston. So, no, I'm not going to just read the whole cast to you. Just the give big you, ones. <laughs> give you that kind of chance. And then Re- Rebecca Lydiard was the romantic interest, I guess. Who is the captain? I, I'm sure they are lovely people. There was people. probably some sort of love triangle there, too, don't you suppose? Well, to Roger's question, was there? I hope to God there was a captain who was like banging on the desk, like, damn it, Houdini. Well, I'm just looking at a Wikipedia page. I don't, Enough you of think, your tricks. <laughs> nice. That, that could be the tagline for the captain. And no more of your tricks, as he like, is standing at the doorway to his office, shaking his fist. Was it on Fox? It, it was on Fox. And ITV in the United Kingdom and Global in Canada. I so it was, a, it was a combined like U.S. British Canadian operation, kind of like I don't know World War II. <laughs> <laughs> if, if someone if someone has seen the show, please uh, write a synopsis and a review in our Facebook group, or just email us marketfoolery at fool dot com. Chris no, will write back again. People learning. On this show, yeah, there is somebody who's going to go out. It's like that sounds great, even though it was canceled after one season. So they would be wrong. About maybe it's being great. But. Maybe we can get them for Fullapalooza too. <laughs> are we looking for? Are we are we looking for outside speakers for Fullapalooza? Are you giving Always. A, inviting uh, anybody who wants to to show up at Fullapalooza? Sure. There was there something about like local attendees. I don't know. Somebody was saying. I don't know, but this is actually now. Now you're delving into company business, and we probably shouldn't. We shouldn't be, you know, sharing too many details about this or or soliciting for things that we. You've got somebody who could edit this out if it's so important for you to keep that secret. I I think the promise was open mic, no editing. And uh, longtime listeners know, and Dan Boyd and I were actually just talking about this general topic earlier today. Uh, yeah, we don't edit really. We we like to edit as little as possible on Market Foolery. In fact, from time to time, listeners have come to Fool headquarters here in Alexandria and they've watched a taping. And a couple of them, after watching a taping of Market Foolery, are mildly disappointed because they're like, "Well, that's uh, oh oh, you don't edit. That's just that's the show." It's like, "Yep, that's the show." Much like the listeners of this show, exactly. We get a mildly lot of, disappointed. A lot of requests for editing. Yeah, yeah, especially. Oh, by the way, good buddy cop movie, Chris Hill and Dan Boyd. Um, it's all of the traits are there. You think so? Yeah, you're kind of straight laced by the book, getting About close to retirement, much older, retirement. much older, <laughs> much right? older. I just, I just want to make it through the day without right. getting shot. Getting too old for this stuff. Exactly. And crazy Dan Boyd, loose cannon, loose cannon, seat of his pants, <laughs> is totally willing to throw down. And I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to, let's... Not the face, not the face. Not the face, exactly. Since we're doing Inside Baseball here, you know, one of the uh, ideas that I had for this, and and take this wherever you want, but uh, was if your guests were to form a boy band, and you were to get people to fill in the tropes that you would want from a boy band, like one's the shy one, and one's like the bad boy, and and one is, I don't know, what you guys are bigger fans of boy bands than than I am. So you would know a lot about this based on your, you know, reading of Us Magazine and and People and all the other subscriptions you have. Teen Beat. Beat. Tiger Beat. Tiger Beat. That's a big one. 
who who you got? Who you got? Who's playing what role? I you got some young kids that we, show we up. do have some young. They could still do a boy band, thing. and they oh, sound yeah. great. I just yeah. want to say this is the best tangent ever, right now. <laughs> um, Dan, Dan's giving this some thought. Yeah, like, well, what, what, what do you got? I'm for, gonna I'm gonna well, throw a name out there, and then because people, I, I, I feel like we have to set it up a little bit more thoroughly before we start filling it in. Okay, really. Okay, maybe oh, not. see, you're I'm not familiar here. with the premise of this show. <laughs> As we said at the outset, it's his first. We've done nearly 1,300 episodes of Market Foolery. I've first not one. listened to one of them. First one, first one for Roger Freeman. Go ahead. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, what more is there to set up here? Well, so you, you go back to to like NKOTB. Oh God! Here, yeah, here as, I am again on my. MKH. As I said, you know a lot more about boy bands than right. I do. So you have you have a. I'm sorry. NKOTB is New Kids on the Block. Thank you. Duh. <laughs> so you have Joey, who is the youngest and the cutest. He receives the most fan mail. Uh, dreamy. How many times did you write into him? Again, I I'm in the. All Chris right, camp. we're not going to put you on the spot. We, we might have the feelings, but we don't follow through with the letters. So, uh, Donnie was the bad boy, Donnie Wahlberg. Uh, you had Jordan and Jonathan. Donnie Wahlberg was in New Kids on the Block? Yeah, this is not a secret, is it? I mean, no, even but, I knew but that. but Dan is significantly younger than Roger. And by extension, not Mark Wahlberg. The same, this, the same guy who was in Band of Brothers, the actor? Yeah. 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 Can, can we can we uh, fact check this or, or let's just go with you, it? You keep talking. I'm so there were five of them. Uh, so yes, Donnie was was the bad boy. Joey was cute and young. There were two brothers. Uh, is that Jordan and Jonathan? Anyway, enough about new kids. Yeah, you just want to gloss over it. Like on a podcast, if you don't know something, just gloss over right, it. Right. So you have okay. So let's have the 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 popular cute one. You have the bad boy. You have the shy one. You have the boring one. Uh, well, that might be rude. Once we get inside. let's skip that. Yeah. Okay. I could uh, do that one. Okay. Go. Who? Who? What? what no, I could be the boring. He one. could be the boring one. He is. I could do I've, that. I've read all yeah, the okay. email. He's the boring one. I'm thirty and or yes. forty years too old for this particular, you know, assignment. But. And and yes, Dan Boyd, uh, Mark Wahlberg in ten episodes of Band of Brothers. Donnie, not Donnie. Mark. Donnie, not Mark. All right. Yeah. No, I knew that. I didn't know that he was in New Kids on the Block. Yeah. Go quickly. Okay. Aaron Bush. Which one is he? Uh, I mean, he is the youngest. I think in terms of like the shy one, uh, I'm I'm actually sort of tempted to go um, Jeff Fisher. Ooh. Um, JP Pennant has has made a couple of appearances, but I, maybe not enough to qualify for the boy band. But otherwise, he would be a runaway like lock for that. And he's the dancer. There's one guy that all the others look to as as the one who can really break down. Oh, Matty Argersinger. Matt, uh, yeah, Matt Mattson. Yeah, Matty Argersinger, professional um, dancer. Um, the cute one is I, I, I'm going I'm going Brian Hinman, I'm going Brian Hinman because he is without question the most handsome. He's dreamy. He is he is dreamy. He is legit dreamy. <laughs> Your colleague at Motley Fool Asset Management Portfolio Manager. Yeah. Oh, we need the wisecracking one. The wisecracking one and the bad boy. Um, I think once we probably, get those in, probably Moser is the Jason Moser. Maybe I don't know. What do you think, Dan? I was going to say Bill Mann for both. The wisecracking one and the what was the, the bad boy? The bad boy? Yeah, Bill Mann. Is he the bad boy? I don't know. I don't know. You you got this. It's your show. You you know. I, all you know. What? I'm going to defer to Dan on that one. Yeah. All right. Must be right. Yeah. There we go. So we're going to clone Bill Mann for to be. A, 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 he's, he's a big guy. Wait, 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 he's wait, wait, like one cover. one Bill Mann is the bad boy, 
and and what's the other one? He's multi talented. I think it's adorable that you you use the phrase "we're going to clone <laughs> Bill Mann" as though it has not already happened, as though there are not multiple uh, uh, Bill Mans. Again, this is kind of inside. Right, office that's inside. Stuff. We shouldn't be talking about office this. politics right, stuff. This, I shouldn't get into it. Right, let's right, move right to the last topic, which is the only one that really interests me. Okay, go for it. Hall, uh, so occasionally we go into the Mount Rushmore of things on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a Mount Rushmore of monuments? Well, let's Mount do, Rushmore's on it. Well, let's 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 do that real quick. Uh, I've not been to Mount Rushmore, but I want to get there. Yeah, that's absolutely on it. Um, we're, we're just going to go U.S. monuments, right? Of course. Do they have to be named a monument, or can they be a memorial, like the Lincoln Memorial? It's, uh, mm, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Roger, I, you put this out there. What do you think? Well, I think when we were talking about uh, the Mount Rushmore of names that rhyme with Earl, uh, we were pretty strict on the interpretation there. So it could only be Thurl Bailey, basketball player. Monosyllabic. Uh, right. Burl Ives. Pearl Bailey. Pearl, Pearl right. Sure. Phenomenal singer. Uh, yeah. So so I think we have to stick with blank monument. Uh, I'm going with Washington, Jefferson, Lincoln, and, and Mount Rushmore. Which is kind of repetitive because you got a lot of the Wait, same. Lincoln and, and Jefferson are memorials. They're not. Uh, no, I'm defining it how I want. Well, the, <laughs> so you would have the four. And that's are, the kind of analytical rigor you can expect. They are monuments which are you called the, memorials. You have the four heads of the presidents in Mount Rushmore in the Mount Rushmore of Mount Rushmore. Yeah, it's very meta. So anyway, the the real topic is if you had to come up with the Mount Rushmore of comedic influences for your own personal brand of comedy, uh, and and I point out that Chris Hill is the only one who's professionally done any comedy. So I I uh, saw that, and there was a, a Facebook post by I wrote this down Gary Allen. Thanks for writing in, um, who said that he was surprised that Chris had done stand up, and I will say Gary. I, uh, I've actually worked next to Chris for an extended period. Um, he's he was right. He had a stand-up desk right next to mine for several years. I also was surprised he's a, he's done stand-up comedy because <laughs> I haven't seen any signs of him being funny. It's, well done. It's improv that you've done. I've on, done at a, on a professional level. I've done yes. I did uh, a year of improv comedy in college, and then a year in Boston in a group called Improv Boston. I did one. Um, you can see the creativity of the group by the name. Yeah, exactly. I did improv in Boston with a group called Improv Boston. Mm-hmm. You know what? It was the early days. You, you, didn't, want to, you didn't want to confuse. We were people. still finding our way in those um, days. And uh, and I did one just just to see what it was like. I did one open mic night of stand up just to see. In part because there was a guy in the improv comedy group who was pretty snobbish about improv comedy and 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 sort of look down his nose at stand-up and i'm a fan of comedy period so i just i was like well and he i don't know he just sort of looked down at stand-up comedy and so what was his name uh, i'm not going to share that and and get given your vast experience in this you (laughs) my one open mic night yeah seemed most uh put off by the idea of coming up with your own uh and it wasn't influence i i I think put off is the right word i would have originally that reluctant to narrow it down from the, the vast world of, of, of com- comic influences. But you seem to be struggling to come up with even... So you what, know, do you, what, what do you got? So I was, the reason I was struggling was because, it's, to me, it's easier to come up with something like, well, what do you think is the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedians? 
and and That's, sort of classifying like who do I think are the four most consequ- consequential Santa community as opposed to in your personal life who has influenced the way you think about comedy but the most. This is why I think my question as opposed to your question is interesting, <laughs> and that is. Uh, what you're asking, like just name four good uh, comics or great ones or you know, legendary Hall of Fame, Mount Rushmore, that that being, yeah. you know, you've got All-Star and then you've got Hall of Fame and then you've got Mount Rushmore being uh, the hierarchy. Uh, whereas the people who, who come in and listen to the podcast, the Market Foolery, and we we can only speculate why anyone, why anybody would bother to do so. Yes. But some people... It is both gratifying and baffling to me. Some people people choose to do it. Are you guys saying that people are listening to this? I mean, not this one. Okay, good. This This is the diehards at this point. And they're they're like, I've always thought that Chris Hill's comedy reminded me of X. And now they get to, to find out, really, what... What is your comedy? What should your so, comedy remind them of? Can, I, I would like to open this up to Bill first, just yes. because you still seem uncomfortable. So I, I was thinking that maybe if, if Bill can acclimate you to the idea. That would be great. And then you can steal his ideas. Perfect. Un, unlike Chris, I'm not a professional comedian. So <laughs> uh, I would say in thinking through this, uh, really, I go back to you got to go back to the early days on your influences. You don't have to. And uh, for me, it's like, whose comedy albums did I listen to? And for the kids out there, this is a thing that that uh, those of us old enough to be me used to do, uh, is actually put a record on a turntable and sit there and listen to it. And you weren't mobile in any way. Uh, and so uh, I would say Bill Cosby. And do you feel sad that that you just said that? Well, I you got to think about like is this controversial to say that Bill Cosby was like this great comedian in your childhood, and is it has it gotten to that? And it is hard to think of too many people who have gone from the heights uh, that he has to to the the depths. And I mean, somebody who has taken as much of a fall as Bill Cosby is, I mean, it is a small group. Uh, that fit into that category. If if any tangent for next time. If anybody, because I I think Bill Cosby might well, at points uh, over the last twenty years, might have been identified as like the most beloved guy in America, sure. possibly. Fat and I don't think he, he pudding pops. Don't think he does that now. Not anymore. Uh, so I I would say Bill Cosby, uh, Monty Python, um, Bob Newhart. Hey. I got him. You got him. I got him. I'm not surprised. And uh, and Letterman, David Letterman, also on my list. So you got Newhart and Letterman on your list. Who else? Uh, I would add Gary Shandling. Okay. Um, something about the Nebish. And uh, <laughs> the fourth on my list was, of course, Gallagher, because it, <laughs> it was not really Gallagher. It was I, not really Gallagher. <laughs> you know my watermelon uh, activity. Although. A popular comedian, but no, he was not fourth on your list. Uh, no, but who says that a Mount Rushmore has to have four? Uh, everyone, right? Commander Rushmore. <laughs> so, right, my <laughs> my problem with with the Rushmore is I kept going back to comedic actors, um, and and so I don't think of Albert Brooks necessarily as a comedian, but man. 
Well, he's done plenty of stand-up, hasn't he? He, he has, and um, that may not this. be that may not be the part of his comedy <laughs> right. that has influenced you, though. So, one of the podcasts that I listen to pretty regularly and have for years is uh, Kevin Pollock's chat show. Kevin Pollock, a stand-up comedian. Uh, best known probably for doing impressions. Best known for his turn on the Arist- Aristocrats. Yes, phenomenal documentary about comedy called The Aristocrats, in which um, anyway, <laughs> just go ahead. Highly recommended. For just kids go ahead and get that, the whole family. That YouTube clip. No, no, not for the whole family. It's not for the whole family. It's but not it is, even PG thirteen. It's, it's not even no. PG thirteen. It's a hard R. But it is it, yeah for language. But but. One of the things I love about that, uh, because the aristocrats, for those unfamiliar, is a uh, very profane joke. Um, but the, one of the things I found fascinating about that documentary is the way that that joke is viewed in the world of stand-up comedy, in the you know amongst comedians, and it is it is in some ways um, a secret handshake among certain comedians. Um, so, but on what I, version do you tell? Uh, I, I never, I never <laughs> tell that joke. I'm not, uh, I'm not qualified to tell that joke, and I never tell it. Um, best left to professionals. Best, absolutely. Hey, he's a professional. Not anymore. Not for a very long time. Um, on Kevin Pollack's chat show, um, he has interviewed, and it's Kevin Pollack interviewing one person for an hour, an hour and a half, that sort of thing, and um, he has. Uh, I think this came up when he was interv- um, when he interviewed Rob Reiner, the the film director, um, and a couple other people as well. And although Albert Brooks is not in the room, the topic of Albert Brooks and his comedy acumen comes up. And to hear people like Rob Reiner tell it in a room full of very funny people, hands down the funniest person that everyone agrees upon without any doubt is Albert Brooks. In the same way that. When Prince died a year or two ago, and all these stories came out about Prince, like that's what, that was one of the things that I found interesting um, to read about is just how how highly accomplished, very famous musicians viewed Prince as a musician, as a talent, and it was. Di- By the way, that also would have been a fantastic and acceptable answer for the musician we wanted to see. At 80. Yes, absolutely. Dave Grohl, who's... Um, I'm not, not dead. Not dead. Alexandria's own Dave Grohl uh, from Foo Fighters. He was interviewed, I think, on Howard Stern's show uh, right after Prince died. And um, he was talking about what an amazing musician and uh, he, that Prince was. And uh, Dave Grohl, who started as Nirvana's drummer, and Howard Stern was asking him about, like, was he really that good? Was he really that good? And, uh, and Dave Grohl was like, Prince was a better drummer than I am. And like, I'm really, really good, and that's how good he was. So, if you had a choice of being a musician's musician or a comic's comic, or and there's no overlap, being successful publicly, which would you go with? Wait, what do you mean being being? So, so let's let's say that everyone points to Lenny Bruce. Every comic is like that's the guy, but if he didn't have commercial success, would you rather be? The, the insider's favorite or oh, I the world's you. favorite? Yes. Um, do I get to have the same amount of money? No, way? you do not. <laughs> what, what do you think? Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. That's a that's a great question. Um, I don't. I don't know. Would I, you like to be a podcaster's podcaster that all the the people who podcast look to, or would you like a broader listenership? 
See, this is a legitimate question more for than, you. Sorry. More I mean, than would you rather be? Would you rather be known or just really, you know, revered? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, That's I, a great I, answer. We're gonna have to say. We're gonna say. What, say what, that what's for another your time. Uh, Mount Rushmore? Anyway. My Mount Rushmore. You at least throw okay. one buddy, one person out there. Um, you, you were stuck at one as of yesterday. I was stuck at one, and that one was. Uh, so here's why I struggled, and then I'll mention at least the one. Um, I struggled because. Um, I think about um, comedy is something that has very much been a part of my life since I was a child. It's something I was um, uh, exposed to very early in life um, and came to enjoy a great deal. And so, and in all different forms. And so, narrowing it down to just four in terms of like, well, who influences the way I think about comedy? It, it like at various points in time, there were there were different. And there were different people on Mount Rushmore. So I tried to think about this question in a very uh, in a very deep sort of like lifelong way. It's like, okay, if I had to just pick four in terms of like, well, maybe I don't listen to this comedian every day or you know whatever, but like th- they have helped inform the you know my worldview uh, and influence the way I think about comedy. David Letterman is absolutely number one on the list. Um, uh, Monty Python is on the list as well. Monty Python, uh, and I didn't figure this out until later in life, but when I when I look back on it, I realized that Monty Python, b- being a fan of Monty Python, and not everybody is, and not everybody needs to be a fan. Who are these people? Not everyone is a fan of da- like that's what's great about comedy. It's like music. You like th- there can be great musicians who you're just, like, yeah they're great. I'm not a particular fan of their music, but I recognize that they're great. You both have mentioned Monty Python yeah. as a favorite. Comedian, yeah, I, I, I see where you're going. No, you're not going to take issue with. A, a, go ahead. No, no, I'm taking issue. I, with I, 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 so I and the reason I I was said willing this, to let Bill get away with it, but oh, is, oh I see. <laughs> Chris is held to a higher standard. Of course, he's so. a professional. But it, it, they've they've got or they presented the same sensibility about comedy as as a group, which is one of the reasons that they they worked so well together. And and so you know the influence, I think. And and Letterman also does a drier version of it, but the that it's a very absurdist approach to comedy, where where you throw a couple of ideas. Like, but so if it's I'm still not about, an individual. It's not an individual. No, but it's a comedian. Did I, I say I'll, individuals? Yes. Like, yes, I, I will let it slide. But I oh, did want you. that footnote. <laughs> thank it, you. It's your show, Judge Freeman. <laughs> um, Quick note, yeah. my brother. A judge. I was going to say yes. There, so you I, can't call I, me I judge say Friedman. that realizing that there actually is a Judge Friedman in your family. Um, so, so, but I, Hi, Dan, I, I really <laughs> like he's, he's listening. listening. <laughs> like he's actually listening. Um, I realized later in life that Monty Python was one of those things that um, uh, was a way was almost like a code word among like once you if you were a fan of Monty Python when you were a kid and you found someone else. Who was a fan of Monty Python? It was just it was a way of connecting with people. Which, as I've gotten older, I've come to realize that that's that's one of the main ways that we all gather our friends is by comedy. And so, like, I didn't realize that as a kid, but that was that was one of the that's one of the reasons I would put Monty Python on the list. So you're at six now. No, I'm actually I'm actually gonna I'm gonna cheat a little more because I'm I'm doing Monty Python slash Richard Pryor. There's no slash between Monty Python uh, and Richard Pryor. Or is he saying that slash is from 
No. Guns and Roses? I don't remember the episode that Richard Pryor appeared in, or the movie uh, that he appeared in. My Mount Rushmore has five people on it. (laughs) (laughs) And one of those people is a group. (laughs) One of those people is a group, and one of them is Richard Pryor. Um, Where are we? How many do we have? Commander Rushmore would not be happy with this. You know what? I'm I'm going to... You say Richard Pryor, but I... All right. I'm not as much of a student of Richard Pryor's work as you are. But I'm trying to connect the the uh, elements of Richard Pryor in your comedy. See, this is the problem that I had because Richard Pryor absolutely listened to his albums and and was influential on me. But I don't see any of Richard Pryor in me. And it's the same with Robin Williams. Yeah, I loved Robin Williams. Just brilliant. It's impossible I'm, to be too amazed by what Robin Williams could do. But, but I'm not a zany person. Or I can't even pull if you were, not, I don't know that you could access right. that just by listening to him and become a little bit more Williams-esque, you know, right. in your delivery. Right. It's so, just so not a it's, list it's of a, favorites. He's a savant, or was right. Yes, Although cocaine and, might help. Back in the day, it helped him a little. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> you, you could access a little bit more of the Williams by doing cocaine, you're saying. Certainly there were comedians who thought that. Yes. In the same way that there were... Um, Richard Pryor might have been one of them. Might have been. There, there were jazz musicians who thought, uh, who, who looked at John Coltrane and thought, God, he's a musical genius. I bet if I do heroin, I'll be just as good as him. It's like, no, Coltrane was a genius all to himself. He just also happened to do heroin. Yeah. Um, so the no, same with Bill investing. What's the cause-effect relationship? Is it the heroin that does it? Heroin, as much as it's revered in the investing world, mostly in New York City, you know, and glorified in movies uh, such as uh, DiCaprio's, whatever the Wolf, the Wolf, of, Wolf Wall of Wall Street. I was going to say the Wizard of Wall Street, which is the totally different movie, totally different thing. Um, here in Alexandria, here at the Motley Fool, we don't hold heroin on the same pedestal that Wall Street does. That's all I had to say. I'm about glad that. we were able to get that. Out. <laughs> Just a, a drive-by shot at people that don't deserve it at all. Um, <laughs> Maybe you deserve it a little bit. Exactly. Um, so he, here's here's the explanation behind Richard Pryor, and it, and it leads into the last person, which which will um, uh, may shock su- us, may surprise slash disappoint you. Um, um, Richard, I feel like we should be guessing now. No, no, no. Um, Richard Pryor was so the way he did comedy when you when I was a kid and watched um, live at the Sunset Strip um, or just any of his specials. First of all, the fact that Richard Pryor was doing stand-up comedy movies and where he's playing in a stadium just sort of blew my mind. But also the fact that he did comedy in a way that was so different from the way that like he was a stand-up comedian, but it was so much different from the way that. Pretty much every other comedian you would ever encounter. Buddy Hackett. Insert name of any comedian who showed up on The Tonight Show, which was the main way that you would encounter stand-up comedy in the 70s, and for that matter, for the first half of the 80s as well, um, before you started going to clubs. And then, um, but the fact that Richard Pryor would tell very personal stories, would tell, like he was not set up, set up, punchline, set up, set up, punchline. There wasn't really that kind of rhythm, although he had amazing timing. And that's one of those things, As again, as I've gotten older, I've come to learn about, like, if you listen to a lot of comedy when you're a kid, you inadvertently, um, through osmosis, begin to understand timing. Well, that's what I'm, that's where I was getting at, is sort of really what did you listen to? Because that was probably 
Why didn't uh, you ask that then? Well, but, but, here's a tip: when you're when you're asking questions, ask the question you want to ask instead of asking what are your who's on the Mount Rushmore of your comedy influences. Why don't you just ask, "Hey, what what are the four favorite comedians you used to listen to as a kid?" Yeah, I, it's, I it's, think we should probably go back and start this one from scratch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's With some, good there's some overlap there, but uh, you know, I, we all mentioned Letterman, and and yep. we all listened to these comedy albums, which the kids these days they don't know, they don't know about that, they don't. about listening to. Uh, so, so today's kids would say John Stewart, uh, John Oliver, because yeah, that's, because that's they, where they're getting their comedy. They're getting well, YouTube, or yeah. YouTube. John Oliver, yeah, or, or Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Fallon, clips from uh, Jimmy Kimmel, um, maybe maybe comedians in cars getting coffee, although th- maybe not because that's not really stand up comedy per se. Um, Netflix. Anyone who's watching Netflix clearly realizes that they have been spending a lot of money on comedy. I think they're doing they're releasing a new stand-up special every week. Wow. So, where's your fourth? Or my, fifth or my, sixth or whatever. You've no, got a lot of My fourth this is, this is the one that will su- surprise/disappoint slash you. Um uh, when I thought long and hard about it, I realized Kathy, that Kathy Griffin. <laughs> not Kathy Griffin. No, it's actually my dad. Um because um my dad was a huge fan of music and a huge fan of comedy. And we had a lot of albums in our house. And um, when I think about it, he was the one who um, sort of very gently um, taught me that there are comedy comes in many different forms. And you should explore as many different forms as you can. And so it was not just, you know, of the of the time of uh, Steve Martin albums and Robin Williams and Richard Pryor, but it was even like we had this we had this double album in my home, and it was the golden age of comedy, and it was like radio comedy. So it was hmm. Jack. I, ben- I think we had that. Yeah, Jack Benny, um, Abbott and Costello, George Burns and Gracie Allen, Laurel and Hardy, like things that it's like, well, this is old. It's like, yeah, but listen to it anyway. And some of it was legitimately funny, and even things like. Like he could appreciate modern comedy, physical comedy. We would watch Marx Brothers movies, which, for my money, I mean, I, I dare you to find any comedy movie that has more jokes per minute than the average Marx Brothers movie. Did you listen to Stan Freeberg at all? A little bit of Stan Freeberg, yeah. See, uh, so I listened to a lot of him. I can't say he was as much of an influence because I I don't sing, uh, and that's where a lot of his good comedy came in. Uh, and also, we all listen to Steve Martin. Tom yeah, right? Lehrer. We all speak- loved Steve Martin, but I don't think of him as, as that much of an influence because his comedy is much harder I to considered duplicate. him. I, I cons- considered, but more later, Steve Martin. So after, after albums? After Wild and Crazy Guy. Once he had mellowed a little bit, and, and maybe I would have answered this question differently 20 years ago. So, and Wild and Crazy Guy. I'm pretty sure we're over an hour. Was not, you know, something in that era. Have you read any of his books? Have you read his uh, Mm -hmm. Born Standing Up? Yep. Talks about. Have you read this? I'm now looking at Chris. Before I was looking at Roger, and you just didn't give me any verbal cue, and the listeners don't know what's going on, but thank you. (laughs) Like we have (laughs) listeners at this point. Uh, Talks about, you know, the, the difficulty of doing that kind of comedy when all people wanted was him to be in a stadium and do the stuff that they'd already heard, yes. right. you know, to do the shtick and the lines. Uh, and, and that was and, what they were there for. And, and it was a less rewarding experience. Right. And, and he walked and he away was from able it. to move away from that, but still be funny. And that's why I go back to Cobain. 
as my guy who I'd like to see at age 80. And Hendricks would be great there too because you're going to walk away from it because you're sick of playing that song. You want to do new stuff. So so I, I want to say, first of all, I think that's a cop-out answer, but... <laughs> Which answer are we talking his about? Dad. His, his dad. dad. But, yeah, but like his dad. How are it, we supposed to riff on that? How are we supposed yeah, to mock you for that? Sorry. Well, uh, well, apparently Roger is. So there we go. <laughs> but it's kind of an unassailable choice. So screw you. you. <laughs> screw you. Um, good a note as any. I, to end on? Mm, yeah. I think, I think we need to at this point because, um, well, the, the, studio, the studio needs to be vacated. Make that sound again, would you? Just... That's right. That is the sound of today's episode had been people not listening. Had been brought to you by Teeling Whiskey, the spirit of Dublin, which is now empty. Roger Friedman, Bill Parker from Motley Fool Asset Management. God, people are going to hate this. So thank you for really, really sorry there, guys. Taking part in this once-only bonus episode, Um, Dan Boyd. Thank you so much for. Suffering someone to wake him up. <laughs> and if you could fo- see the look on his face, <laughs> listeners. Dan's ready to be done, as are the listeners at this point. But uh, but thank you. Um, uh, do you have a highlight from this episode, or is this right now when we're ending? Is this the highlight? You got it. You got it in one. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back on Monday with a regular episode of Market Forward.